Amen. Well, what an amazing time of worship here this morning, uh, just to be able to gather in this place week in and week out and just sing out praises to our God is just such a blessing to me as I'm sure it is to all of you as well. Well, we're going to continue that worship here this morning um, by opening up God's word and seeing what he has to say to us this morning. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that, get that open to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9. We're going to continue to work our way through the gospel of Luke. And so um, this morning, we're going to take a look at a really familiar passage. If you've been around the church for a couple of years, you've probably heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people with food five loaves and two fish, right? Like it's pretty iconic. I know for me um, in my 20 plus years as a Christian, I've read through this story multiple times. And so my prayer for us is just that as we look at this passage, that we would kind of look at it with fresh eyes and we would allow God to speak to us maybe in a way that he hasn't uh, done before. We're going to pick up this morning where we left off last week. Um, If you were here last week, if you remember Jesus, he gathers his 12 disciples together and he, he gives them authority and power and he sends them into the neighborhoods and the towns and the villages and he says, hey, preach the kingdom of God, uh, heal the sick and cast out the demonic. And so they do. And if you remember uh, from last week, Pastor Ernie's kind of main point was that God always equips those he calls. God always equips those he calls. And so we're gonna kind of take that idea and we're gonna expand it just a little further here this morning. And so uh, if you, uh, so our main point here this morning is this, for those that he calls, our job is to take the transforming power of the gospel to those who are in need and let God do the work. For those he calls, our job is to take the transforming power of the gospel to those in need and let God do the work. And so with that in mind, with your Bible open to Luke chapter 9, let's go ahead and read our scripture together. And on their return, the apostles told Jesus all that they had done. And he took them and he drew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away and the 12 came and said to Jesus, send the crowds away to go into the surrounding villages and the countryside to find lodging and get provisions for we are here in a desolate place. But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we're to go and buy food for all of these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And so they did. They had them all sit down and taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and he said a blessing over them. And he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Father in heaven, God, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful um, for this, this story right here. God, we just pray, Lord, that you would use it, Lord, that you, your, your, your word would just sound forth into this room and, 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 and beyond, Lord, that you would speak into our hearts and, and change us from the inside out. 
God, just pray that you give me clear thoughts, articulate words. Um, pray that you be glorified and honored in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, point number one, the first point of the morning is this. People are in need all around us. People are in need all around us. This is obvious and clear from our passage here this morning. Here are the disciples, and there are 5,000 hungry people right there in their immediate vicinity. 5,000 needy people right there in their immediate vicinity. And I want us to consider this reality here for a moment. Think about all the the spaces that you live in, all the spaces that you travel to, all the, the spaces that you go to and from week in and week out. How many people do you know who are in need? How many people do you know who are in need? Start with your most basic uh, uh, space that you live in, that's your, your home. How many people in your house are, are people in need? Most of us could say all of them, right? How about your workspace? How many people come to mind? How many names come to mind when I say, when I, when I ask you the question, who, who, who at your work is somebody in need? What, what face pops into your mind. How about the grocery store, your community group, this church right here? People are in need all around us. I want us to think outside the box for just a minute, right? Because when we look at this story and we see 5,000 hungry people, I, I, think, I think when we, when we consider who, who in, around us are in need, we, we, we look at the homeless, right? We look at the homeless, we look at those who are hungry, right? And those are, the, uh, that's obvious, right? That's low-hanging fruit. But I want us to think outside the box for just a minute. I, I think that there are people all around us who are in need physically, who are in need physically. There are people all around us whose bodies are broken, whose bodies don't work the way that they should. We see people who are tormented by cancer, who are paralyzed, people who are in chronic pain, people in need all around us. People in need of someone to sit with them and remind them of the gospel, that this life is not all there is that this world is not our home, that there will one day come a day day when Jesus will remove all brokenness and restore all things. Someone to remind them that Jesus also suffered bodily and that he's near to the brokenhearted. See, who will bring the transforming power of the gospel to those people? What about people who lack basic provisions, right? People are struggling to put food on the table, people struggling to put roofs over their head, Heads, people who need to be reminded of their purpose, that they need to be reminded that whether we're in plenty or in want, they can glorify their God in heaven. Who will bring the transforming power of the gospel to these people? And so we see needs physically. We also see needs spiritually. We see minds that are chained by depression and anger and anxiety and discouragement. People who are in need of the only one who can renew our minds and transform our thoughts. Who will bring the transforming power of the gospel to these people? We see people who, whose hearts are enslaved to sin and idolatry and hopelessness, hearts in need of the only one who can break the power of sin and bring hope to the hopeless. Who will bring the gospel to these people? 
We say it often around here. There's no heart that Jesus can't change, no mind that he can't set free. Do we truly believe that here today, church? If that's the case, who will bring the gospel to these hearts and minds? We see people in need physically. We see people in need spiritually. And we see people in need relationally. We see marriages that are broken, marked by selfishness, lies, adultery, hate. Who will bring the transforming power of the gospel to these marriages? We see friendships ruined by pride, families torn apart by selfish desires and hard hearts. We see churches split apart by divisiveness and disunity, leaving those caught in the middle as collateral damage. Who will bring the transforming power of the gospel to these horizontal relationships? You see, it's only when we focus on that vertical relationship with Jesus Christ that we transform those horizontal relationships. There's people in need all around us. It's not simply those who are hungry. See, this was the disciples' concern. They look at these 5,000 people and they say, how are we gonna feed all these people? These, there, there are 5,000 people in need. Send them somewhere else so they can find food. Send them someone, somewhere else so they can find a roof over their head. Like we're in this desolate place here. Who's gonna care for all of these people? And Jesus' answer is clear. You feed them. You feed them. You take the transforming power of the gospel to their hearts. Now I realize that at this point in the sermon, some of you are looking at me and you're thinking, "Um, Justin, isn't that your job? Aren't you the pastor? (laughs) Uh, And my answer to that question is yes and no. Yes, in the sense that I'm a Christian just like you, and so it's my job to bring the transforming power of the gospel to the hearts and minds of the people around me. Yes and amen. No, in the sense that I'm a pastor, my job is to equip you to go and do that. Right? And that's what this message is about. See, all of us are called to preach the gospel to people in need, to bring the transforming power of the gospel to the lives of those around us. The personal ministry of the gospel is not an option. It is not an option. If you claim the name of Christ, then it's your job to bring the transforming power of the gospel to those who are in need. But I think that the natural question that comes up is how? How? How do we care for the needs of all these people? That leads us to the second point of the morning. There are limits to our resources. There are limits to our resources. Look back at verse 13. Jesus, he tells his disciples, you give them something to eat. And the disciples response is how? We literally have five loaves of bread and two fish. How are we gonna do that? Like our resources are limited. We can't even feed ourselves sufficiently, much less 5,000 people. What do you want us to do? Go and buy food for all of these people? Like, we can't do that. We don't have the money to buy food for all these people because Judas, he's the one that that, that, that holds the checkbook and he's robbing us blind, right? If I'm Peter, I'm thinking, yeah, Jesus, you know, we should have took the gospel to the country club so we could get a couple million dollar tithers, right? You want to feed all these people. We recognize that there are limits to what we can do to care for people's needs. There are limits to our finances. This is obvious from the passage. 
We only have so much we can give, and obviously that number looks different for each of us. We have to consider our needs first. An X number of dollars is set aside for me and my household. And listen, there's, this is good. There's wisdom in this. We need to budget and be financially aware and not foolish. You can't make your children poor so that you can you know, take care of the poor. Like that's an oxymoron. Listen, while helping someone financially is good and it's awesome and we should do it and look for opportunities to do it, it's not primary. I think we can tend to fool ourselves into believing that if we just send someone away to a financial advisor, that that's just gonna fix all of their problems. But listen, there's no amount of finances that's gonna fix what's wrong right here. No amount of financial stability can fix what's ultimately wrong with the heart. So there are limits, limits to our finances, there are limits to our experiences. And honestly, I'm thankful for this limitation. I'm so thankful for this limitation because I think that as Christians, we can tend to elevate uh, experience to God-like status, right? Like, like, oh, well, I can't help somebody who's struggling with anxiety because I've never struggled with it. It's not true. Or you can't help someone because you've never struggled with it. Only those who've struggled with this thing over here and conquered it uh, can, can, can help that person. That's just not the case. Experience can be helpful, but it's not required. What's required is to have the Holy Spirit in his word. What's required is for you to take that word to the hearts of those in need and let God do the work. Ultimately, the experience we need to rely on is the experience of that, of that of our great savior who is tempted in every way in which we are tempted, suffered in the ways that we suffered. He's the one who's gonna bring the experience and change the heart. We bring the transforming power of the gospel to those in need, not just our experience. There are limits to our finances, limits to our experiences, and limits to our knowledge. There's limits to what we know. Obviously, we're finite creatures, and we don't know all things. And so oftentimes, we're gonna come across some situations that exceed our knowledge, and then natural questions come up that tend to keep us from caring for people. Like, how can I care for somebody uh, who has some medical issue if I'm not a doctor. Like, like this, is, this is important, right? Like if I'm walking down the sidewalk and somebody gets into a car accident right next to me and I'm the first person on the scene and they get their leg chopped off in this car accident, God forbid, right? Um, what, like like th- that person's in trouble. If I'm the first, like I don't even know, like call 911 and then what? Like, like what do I do, build a tourniquet? Like, I can't even spell tourniquet in my notes. Like, like, and even if I could, like, rip off my belt and, like, somehow put it somewhere that's not going to, you know, keep them from bleeding out all over the place. Like, like, I can't do blood. So, so it's like, it's like I go, I'm like, okay, I'm going to build a tourniquet for this person. I go in there and I'm like, oh, Oh, and then bam, like I'm passed out, like drag my body off to the sidewalk so it doesn't get in the way of the people that actually can do something, right? Like there are limits to what I can do. I'm not a doctor, and so I call an ambulance and I send them to the hospital to get their leg patched up so they don't bleed out and die. But what happens after they get patched up at the hospital and the doctors pat them on the butt and put them in a wheelchair and send them out the front door? See the 
the hospital's not gonna care for this person. They're not gonna be able to fix their suffering. They're not gonna be able to fix their grief. They're not gonna be able to fix the hopelessness that this person is going to experience after losing a leg. Now that's our job. We bring the transforming power of the gospel to their hearts and allow God to work in their suffering and their grief and their hopelessness. You see, all of these limitations can cause us to feel ill-equipped and incapable of providing help. And that leads us to point number three. We need to look to Jesus for help. We need to look to Jesus for help. That's what the disciples did here. Look, verse, look back at verse 13. And Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And then they go to Jesus and they say, we can't. Yes, there are people in need, but we have limitations to our resources. How do we do this? See, the disciples, they recognize their limitations and so they appeal to Jesus. So what kind of help should we look for from Jesus? That's a great question. I'm so glad that you asked. We need to look to Jesus for help to act. We need to look to Jesus for help to act. Jesus provided the miracle and he said to the disciples, hey, you go hand this thing out. Right? That's good news in that, right? I think sometimes we have these ideas of grandeur in our mind as Christians that somehow God requires us to like break open the skies and just rain down blessings on people. Like we don't do the miracle. God does the miracle. See, even the miracles that Moses performed in Egypt, those happened because God said, hey, Moses, stick your staff in the Nile. And so Moses was like, okay, puts his staff in the Nile and it turns to blood. I think Moses, like everybody else, was like, whoa. Hey, Moses, drop you know, your staff on the ground. If I'm Moses, I'm like, okay. Turns into a snake, right? It's crazy. Moses, Moses didn't do it. God did it. I think this is important for us to remember not to take it upon ourselves to be God to somebody else. Your job is simply to do what he's asked you to do and what he's asked you to do is bring the transforming power of the gospel to people's hearts. He'll do the work. He provides the miracle, we just hand it out. And listen, the greatest miracle that God has ever done and ever will do is in the gospel. God sent his son perfect, blameless to become sin for us, to die on the cross, be buried for three days and risen again to eternal life, right? So that you and I could live in eternity with him. Like that's the greatest miracle, right? Like Jesus took five loaves and 12 fish and he fed 5,000 people. He takes the gospel and he feeds the nations, amen? And so we go to Jesus for help to act. We go to Jesus for help to pray. We go to Jesus for help to pray and we ask him for help to pray for, for circumstances to change. This is, this is obviously the easiest thing to do. When we come across somebody in need, we're like, yes, we want your situation to change. This is a horrible situation. Uh, we're gonna pray for that. This is, this is, again, the low-hanging fruit. We're gonna pray for healing. We're gonna pray for a circumstance to change. 
What about this? We go to Jesus for help to pray for the heart. We go to Jesus for help to pray for the heart. We pray that God would use this circumstance to refine and reform people into the image of his son. We pray that the gospel would get inside their hearts and change them and transform them into holy people. We also go to Jesus and ask for help to pray with people. Help to pray with people. Help to pray out loud in the moment. This is hard for some of us. It's easy to say, hey man, yep, um, I see that you're in need. I'm gonna be praying for that and then go home and not do it. No, we gotta pray for them right then in the moment, out loud with them. There is such encouragement in praying with someone. God can use that to remind them of his character, to break down lies and strongholds. And so when we pray out loud, we bring God into the conversation. We bring his spirit into the conversation so that he can move and act and do the transforming work. And so if prayer is hard for you, then go to Jesus for help to pray. And so we go to Jesus for help to act. We go to Jesus for help to pray and we go to Jesus for help to counsel. We go to Jesus for help to counsel. One thing you can always offer is counsel from the word of God. Like this is something that you always have. We're ministers of his word and ultimately his word is what's gonna provide comfort to the sufferer and correction to the sinner. And so we go to Jesus for help. And that leads me to the last point of the morning When we do that, we need to trust that Jesus will provide. We need to trust that Jesus will provide. Look back at verse uh, 16. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looks up to heaven and he says a blessing over them. And then he breaks the loaves, gives them to the disciples to hand out. And they all ate and were satisfied. And there was leftovers, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Jesus will provide. We have to trust it. This is huge for us. So how does Jesus provide? How does Jesus provide? The first thing we need to understand is that he provides for all of our needs. Jesus provides for all of our needs. This is important for us to remember. He will always provide what you need. And listen, oftentimes that does not look like what you want. Right? What we need and what we want are often two very different things. Jesus does not say he's gonna give you everything you want, but he will give you everything you need. The guy who gets his leg chopped off in an auto accident probably wants Jesus to heal his leg, probably wants Jesus to grow that thing back so that he can walk again. But Jesus doesn't always provide what we want, but he, we, he always provides what we need. And listen, this is so important. Look up here for for just a minute. Our greatest need does not exist outside of us. Our greatest need exists inside of us, right here. Right here. What we need most is not for God to change our circumstances. What we need most is for the transforming power of the gospel to change us and conform us into the image of his son. 
that's what the guy who loses his leg needs most. He needs to look on the savior who did not despise the cross, who went to the cross quietly and suffered and died. That's his example. What we need most is not circumstantial change, it's heart change that allows us to respond to those circumstances in a way that glorifies and honors God. Jesus always provides for our needs. He also provides enough. He provides enough. He'll always provide enough for you, but again, what God determines enough and what we believe is enough are two separate things. It's two totally different things. Enough doesn't necessarily mean stability or assurance or security. Proverbs 30 starting in verse eight says, give me poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. We want full bellies, full fridges, full houses, full checking accounts, full schedules, all that stuff. But enough is found in that space between full and empty. It's found in that space between security and instability. True reliance on God is found when we cannot provide enough for ourselves. So Jesus provides for our needs. He provides enough. And finally, he provides through his people. He provides through his people. I I love that Jesus does this miracle, turns five loaves and two fish into enough food for 5,000 people, and then he tells his disciples, hey, you go hand this thing out. Jesus provides through his people. This right here is my five loaves and two fishes. (laughs) What is insufficient in my hands, this book right here is insufficient in my hands. It is not insufficient when I invite the power of God to work through it. He will, his word will not return void. It's not that God's word is insufficient. It's that my ability to use it in the lives of people is insufficient. See, I might not be able to grow a leg back, but I can bring the transforming power of the gospel to the heart of the person and let God do the work. I might not have a degree in mental health issues, but I can bring the transforming power of the gospel to the mind of the person and let God do the work. I might not be a marriage counselor or a crisis counselor or a therapist or a mechanic or a medic, whatever. But what I can do is I can bring the transforming power of the gospel to the people that are around me who are in need and I can let God do the work. In one of Jesus' Jesus's last interactions with the disciples, the disciples had been fishing all, all night. And they didn't catch anything. And Jesus is on the beach and he's cooking breakfast for them. And they get excited and they go see him. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's response is, Of course I love you, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, tend to my lambs. Again, a second time, Jesus asked, Peter, do you love me? 
Peter's like, of course I love you, Lord. You know that I love you. Tend my sheep. And a third time, Peter, do you love me? Peter, heartbroken, he says, you know that I love you, Lord. Of course I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. So my question to all of us here this morning, myself included, is do we love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? And feed his sheep. Bring the transforming power of the gospel to the hearts of the people around you who are in need and let God do the work. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your ability to work through us. God, thank you that we are insufficient, that we have to rely on you. God, thank you that you choose to use us to bring the transforming power of the gospel to the lives of those around us who are in need. Help us to do that. Amen.